Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 31. I'm your host, Al Katarn. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? You know what, man? Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that well. Uh, the Packers lost. And, you know, before we talk about soccer, I know we're not an American football podcast, but before we talk about soccer, let's evaluate how crazy this game was. I mean, probably, and I'm saying that as a fan of the losing team, it was probably the best game of football I've ever seen, of American football I've ever seen. Um, I I mean, that's where, that's interesting, yeah. I think it was one of the most exciting, but when you talk about, like, best games, some people may think that's, like, the cleanest or the most perfect football, and that just wasn't the case in this game. There were so many broken plays that led to good moments. Okay, but like. Best in terms of entertainment value. And did you see the guy who tweeted, take that, soccer? Did you see that? <laughs> what does that even mean? You're admitting to soccer being somewhat exciting. But... Yeah, I know. Like, did he not? I mean, Everton-Chelsea happened the same day, which we'll talk about. But, like. No, I'm just confused, like, where he is on the side of that argument. Because, like, does he, he must like soccer somewhat if he's saying, no, like. No, no, no. What, what, what I think he's is. comparing is, them incredibly insecure about football that he has to go and attack soccer there's literally no reason to do that you know there's so many fans of both games are completely different and to be honest i said one of the most exciting games i've ever watched wasn't that exciting until the fourth quarter and overtime wow well i mean for us it was because we're packers fans yeah Okay, no, football games can be exciting throughout all 60 minutes. No, so. no, they can be. I'm just saying. like that. The, the mature way to counter this idiot is that, is uh, that why uh, are we comparing two sports instead of just enjoying a beautiful moment from one sport? Exactly. We don't have to go into this debate that is just no, no, it's dumb not a debate. and doesn't I just, affect you know, anything. I, I didn't, we, we weren't planning on talking about that. I just remembered that. Um, but yeah, crazy, crazy game. I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know. I'm not doing that well because of that. I'm... Not happy, I'm sad, but you know what always puts me in a good mood? Ambitious Strike. Go check out Ambitious Strike, the clothing apparel company. Go to their website, ambitiousstrike.com. That's A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com to go buy yourself a t-shirt. And don't forget to use the code BROTHERS at checkout for a 15% off um, discount on your entire purchase. So, um, they're a great company. Their shirts always make me feel better. It's true. Um, but, like I said, could be doing better, Sahil. How are you? How are you holding up after the Packers loss? Um, I would say that I'm doing better than I was after the Seahawks game. But I just can't, last, last, I can't stop year? thinking about the fact that... Last what? year? Yeah. The Seahawks-NFC Championship game in the 2014-2015 to season. But I just can't stop thinking about Aaron Rodgers' Hail Mary... Um, but the, that, that play deserved a win. Nah, but you know what? Congratulations to Arizona. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, a lot I'm, of people... Our friends at Ambitious Striker, Cardinals fans, congratulations to you guys. Um, man, good for Larry Fitzgerald. I'm excited for him. Uh, yeah. I mean, just one more thing about that. Go ahead. Don't... Packers fans, fellow Packers fans... Do not blame the playoff overtime rules for this loss. No, no, okay. I just don't think that's... Don't blame the rules for this loss because we had a chance to stop them, but I believe the rules need to be changed because... Well, Nihal... No, 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 because... Doesn't the... Go ahead. Didn't, didn't we have a somewhat of an advantage as well because in order to win the game, you only, you only have to score a field goal instead of a touchdown? Right, but 
no, because Arizona's the number one offense in the league. Okay, well, yeah, but they they can't change the rules around matchup. No, I know, but what I'm saying is the argument that I see for keeping the rules the same is that the defense should have covered Larry Fitzgerald. While that is true, there you can't say that the Packers wouldn't have had a similar play or wouldn't have had a 60-yard... Like, maybe Jeff Janis breaks free. So, it's it's that's two years in a row as Packers fans, that we have gone into overtime games and Aaron Rodgers hasn't gotten the ball. It's frustrating when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game and he doesn't get a chance to lead his team to victory because of a coin toss. Now, Arizona deserved to win. Um, they are the better team. They, you know, it was a close game. They probably were the better team. You know, we got into overtime because of a Hail Mary. Packers defense messed up. But... This doesn't. This is not only a Packers thing. That it's not. It's not fair. You know. It's. It doesn't make sense to me that your defense is on the field. Yes, your defense is on the field. But what if you have a? What if both teams have terrible defenses? That that means whoever gets the ball first is going to win in that situation. Not both teams had good defenses last night, but, you know. Yeah. No. I mean, I, we're spending way too much time on this. Uh, yeah, but I think in conclusion, like, if you change it so that both teams get the ball, there's no real disadvantage. I mean, it's just like... Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no issue with that. I don't see what there is to complain about that. Exactly. Especially in the postseason where, like, you don't have to worry as much about flights and stamina and travel and stuff. Yeah. All right. A- anyways. Soccer. Yeah. Soccer, soccer, soccer time. So arguably a game that... Uh, I'm not makes you more disappointed than the Packers, but you know one that still makes you disappointed. So, uh, Chelsea tied Everton three to three at home in Stamford Bridge. What did you make of this game? What did I make of this game? Well, Sahil, once again, Everton blows a lead. We saw it. You know what? It's base the same formula. We go up two nothing. It's two to two. We go up three to two in stoppage time, and then. Um, Chelsea scores a goal. This happened against Bournemouth a few months ago. Since then, this is the fifth time that Everton has given up or has dropped points from winning position in a game. Something has got to change, and it starts with Roberto Martinez. This team, in terms of attacking talent, is way too good to be in 11th place. It is ridiculous. Honestly, our defense is terrible. Um... We cannot defend on set pieces. Tim Howard is atrocious. Um, you know, quickly going through the goals the fifth, in the 15, 50th minute, um, John Terry scores an own goal. Everton take the lead. 56th minute, it's 2 nothing for Everton. Uh, Kevin Morales with a great, great strike. Um, he, 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 flips, he flips it up to himself and, and takes the, the, uh, the volley. Uh, 64th minute, Costa scores. Diego Costa for Chelsea to make it 2-1. to one. Howard just completely misses the ball. He comes up to try. He comes up uh, off his line to try to get it off him. Um, uh, Costa walks past him, and it's a, it's a, he just he taps it into the net. 66th minute, two minutes later, Fabregas scores. A deflected goal. No one, not really anyone's fault, but the, the defending was shaky. 90th minute, uh, Roberto Funes Mori scores. You know, you think you're good. Then there's seven minutes of stoppage time. Seven minutes of stoppage time. And then in the 99th minute, John Terry scores an offside goal. So there's that. It was an offside goal, which makes me very, very angry because he was clearly offside. Do not know what the marksman was thinking. Furthermore, just to rub salts in the wound, Funes Mori, when he scored, he went into the crowd and was booked. Uh, John Terry celebrates in the crowd. He's not booked. 
So, you know what? Chelsea's going to Chelsea. Um, it was an offside goal, which is, which is BS in the first place. But this is a very, very worrying trend for any Everton fan out there. It's something we saw with Wigan Athletic a few years ago. And when they went down, remember, they won the FA Cup, right? They won the FA Cup. Um, we're in the semifinals of the Capital One Cup. I'm not saying we're going down because that's not going to happen. But, you know, it's, 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 it's just very – yes, it would be great if we, if we get a trophy this year. I would be ecstatic. But it, 11th place, when you, like I said, when you have players like Romo Lukaku, um, John, John know, Stones – sorry, uh, Jared De La Feu, uh, Ross Barkley. Did I say Barkley already? Kevin Morales. These players who are wonderful players were scoring goals. It, yeah, yeah, it speaks in the stats. I mean, Everton has the second most goals in the Premier League. I mean, they're tied for second nice. with Leicester City. But, I mean, to, to put that in perspective, I mean, they've scored more goals than Tottenham, Arsenal, uh, United. But it's just conceding those 32 goals, uh, you know. 32 it, goals conceded. Yeah, 39 goals scored, by the way, if I didn't say that before, uh, which is tied for second. But, yeah, um, 32 goals is a, is a lot more than the teams that you're seeing in those Europa League spots. And if that's the goal that Everton is trying to achieve, you, you can't concede that many goals. Yeah, I mean, you, lo- you look at the teams. Um, you look at these teams. It, the Everton is, con- yeah, like you said, Everton's conceding way more goals. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a worrying trend. It's a very, very worrying trend, and I hope, I hope Martinez figures it out. Oh, yeah, all right. Uh, moving on, the Premier League, we saw Liverpool uh, play United in Anfield. Lost 0-1. to one. Wayne Rooney is the difference maker in the 78th minute. Yeah, um, a great, great strike. Marwan Fellaini um, off the short corner, a cross in. Marwan Fellaini hits the, the, hits the crossbar with his header. And then a, a magnificent half volley by Wayne Rooney. And Rooney scoring now three goals in the last two games. Uh, not a very exciting match, uh, but David De Gea was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Emre Chan had a great opportunity to take the lead um, late in the match, um, and he just had an amazing, amazing save. Uh, he, you know, he's incredible to watch, and that's one of the reasons why I would watch United this season, David De Gea. Uh, other than that, not a very, very exciting match. Well, uh, I mean, you have the fact that Wayne Rooney broke the record for most goals for a single club in the Premier League. Right. Uh, you know, which is which is awesome. You know, I, I really like Wayne Rooney. I don't know something about him. Just that, that whole – he just represents what United wants to be, you know? Yeah. Um, he does. And, I mean, I hope he comes back to Everton. I hope that's in the cards. Uh, so, I don't know. But, but like I was saying, not, not a whole lot. In this match, the, the good thing for Liverpool is that Roberto Firmino in the last two games has become this lively attacker that they wanted him to be. Uh, and, and that's very exciting for them. Yeah. All right, moving over to Italy, we saw Milan beat Fiorentina, uh, Fiorentina 2-0 at home uh, in the San Siro. Uh, Baca and Boateng with the scores. Yeah, Baca scores in the fourth minute. A great, great run. Gets the pass and then cuts into his right foot, beats the defender, and slots it home. Great goal by him, and he's been a great buy for uh, Milan. Yeah. Tomovic had no chance marking oh. him. Baca, great run, great moves. Yeah. That was awesome. And then Boateng dribbles it past the keeper in the 88th minute to put it away. A very, very chippy game. 40 fouls between the teams. Uh, I think, yeah, six cards between the teams. 
Fiorentina had 69% of the possession and only and 10 shots. Uh, Milan had five shots on or five total shots uh, and 31% of the possession, and they were able to come away with the win. Some great counterattacking goals. Uh, I mean, starting in their own half, um, two passes and the players are in and they scored. So good for Milan. Fiorentina, man, we thought they were gonna a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. It was it was looking like they they could be real contenders for the league title. I don't know about that anymore. Yeah, it, it was a tough loss for them. They would have maintained that uh, Champions League playoff spot, but uh, no, Inter Milan stays two points ahead. They would have uh, so they would have maintained that if they won the game. Right. Uh, so uh, tough loss yep, for they're them. They're now six points behind league leading Napoli. So. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the table forwards. Uh, moving on in Serie A, we've got Roma tying Verona one to one. Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll just take this. So the news before the game was that Rudy Garcia, uh, head coach of AS Roma, or manager, was fired and replaced by Luciano Spalletti, uh, a manager who coached Roma from 2005 to 2009, uh, then moved to Zenit and hasn't coached for the past uh, year and a half or so. Uh, supposed to be more tactically aware of what's going on and uh, supposed to be, I mean, beloved by the fans, so a lot of people were excited. Um, obviously, he's only had three training sessions, so you can kind of understand the result. But uh, going into the game, uh, Nyanglin scored early off a De Rossi uh, assist. He, he backheeled it. It was a great pass. De Rossi looked really good at the beginning of this game. Then he just dropped off in the second half. He looked a lot better uh, than normal. And Nyanglin playing in a, a different role. He played in that number 10 role. Uh, Spalletti started off in a 4-2-3-1, so it was interesting to see uh, Pjanic and De Rossi playing that those holding right. midfielders, and Nyanglin playing attacking midfielder. Usually, I've never seen yeah, that before. It's interesting that Pjanic probably considered the more attacking and creative player playing behind Nyanglin. Yeah, I think part of that is, you know, there's so much lateral movement by Pjanic. He, he doesn't want to get forward uh, as much as his role set in the four three three. So now it allows it allows him to do what he was doing before, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then Pizzini late in the game, uh, I think this around the 70th minute, uh, uh, converted a penalty that was drawn by Leandro Castan, and well, I, I don't know. Do you think? It, Castan, it, it, you, you and all the Roma fans were really excited to get him back. Hasn't been playing that well. Is it, you know, you think Manolas and Rudiger should be the starters? No. Well, I think it's just a matter of Castan's fitness. Rudy Garcia did play Castan, like... Uh, I think like a month ago, but then he just held off on it because because he he didn't think he was fit enough. And then Spalletti comes in and says he is fit. I'm going to start him. And I don't think anyone in this back line is solid defensively except for Costas Manolas. So I, I think I think I want um, some new defenders coming in this January. But I, I, I don't know. They'll have to well, figure out need, the chemistry. I know that Casano is the talent. They need a fullback. They need a right back. Uh, yeah. Torresidis just isn't getting the job done. Um, yeah, so final thing, we, we won't talk about Roma that much um, more, uh, but, but what are the differences in, in style, in morale that you, that you saw with this team? Because, I mean, Rudy Garcia, it's a whole lot of passing and not a whole lot of attacking, you know, they, they controlled matches, but they wouldn't get opportunities. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I mean, it wasn't the fact that we didn't get possession with 
with Rudy Garcia, but I, I will say that I think we were more susceptible to the counterattack with, in Spalletti's first game, but that also meant we were better on the counterattack. We saw some good chances. We had two post-hits. Dzeko should have had at least a brace in this game, but he just is not performing up to standards. And I, I think I saw a little bit more excitement, a little a little bit of better play. It's going to take more than three training sessions or whatever Spalletti's had uh, to create a good team, but it's just disappointing that Verona, the 20th place team in the league, Roma's only managed to rescue two points from throughout the entire season. They have nine points total, and two of them came against Roma. So it's not something you want to see from a team that has title ambitions. And I, I hope that they can at least qualify for the Champions League because right now it looks like they're battling with Fiorentina and Inter Milan for that third-place spot. Yeah, Roma, nine points off league-leading Napoli. All right, moving on. Yeah, moving on to Spain, we saw Real Madrid crush Sporting Gijon in the Bernabeu 5-1. to one. We saw so many exciting goals. What was your favorite? My favorite was probably Cristiano Ronaldo's second go- or first goal in the ninth minute. A thunderous strike, a turn, and a strike into the top, upper 90, top left corner. A great assist by Benzema. I already know what your favorite one is. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, uh, my favorite goal was Benzema's scissor kick bail off a beautiful cross. And, oh my god. I mean, he he was not even that close either. He was on, like, just into the penalty box. And my good cross by Bale, Benzema just absolutely shocks you sometimes. I mean, sometimes... People people say he doesn't do enough for the team, but he is a world class striker and he deserves to be starting for Real Madrid. He yeah, amid his whole uh, scandal that we won't get into, uh, <laughs> Benzema has been playing very very well, and Real Madrid just put on a display. Four goals in the first eighteen minutes. Bale had one. Uh, Ronaldo had uh, two, or Benzema had two, no. Ronaldo did have two of them, um, and then Benzema had a goal as well. And then Benzema scored later in the 41st minute. Um, so, great, great, great performance. Uh, Barcelona did win 6 nothing though. We, we're not going to really talk about the match, but... Um, yeah, no, no, we're not. Yeah, uh, an important three points for both teams. I would say, actually, all, th- all, all three of the top teams got three points. The big one was Villarreal, who, you know, unfortunately could only manage to draw... Uh, which cements them more at fourth as Real Madrid looks to definitely secure uh, a Champions League and you know have title ambitions now. But the big thing is is that Atletico Madrid sitting in that first place spot with 47 points, only 22 goal differential, and while Barcelona has 35 and Real Madrid has 38, that's from Diego Simeone just knows how to win well, games. Eight, that's all it is. 20 games played and eight goals conceded. I mean that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, quietly you feel like Atletico Madrid are in, in, in first place. That being said, Barcelona are in second with 45, Real Madrid in, uh, with, in third with 43. Barcelona have only played 19 matches. So they do have a match in hand on Atletico Madrid. If they win, uh, they take, you know, they take first place. But that's not a given. You know, it's never a given. Uh, so we'll see what happens. They do play Ibar, um, or actually, no. I'm, I'm not sure who they play, sorry. Um, but but I think, yeah, sorry. I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, the, the, no match is a given. Um, but Atletico Madrid, very, very impressive. You know, you, they they lose a lot of their players every year. Diego Simeone buys players that fit the system. Um, Antoine Griezmann, Jackson Martinez, these guys are top-class players. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be exciting to see them win another uh, another trophy, another league title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, 2014 or 2013, 2014, excuse me, was amazing to watch uh, from them. But, um, you know, the, the big thing in La Liga that we haven't talked about is that Lionel Messi won the ball on door. Uh, obviously, I mean, I think we can both agree that he deserved it, but just, I don't, I don't know. What can you say? I mean, Messi's, Messi has done everything he his can do. Fifth, his, except for winning his a World fifth Cup. Five. Well, he's, he said he'd trade in all five for one World Cup. Uh, which, yeah. Uh, did you see Ronaldo's face? He was so disappointed. It was really funny. He was really salty. Um, but Neymar, Ronaldo finished second, Neymar finished third, and Robert Lewandowski in fourth place, interestingly enough. Uh, deserving um, so. Yeah. But yeah, Messi deserves it. There's not much to say. We just gotta, re- we just gotta say, um, who won the Ballon d'Or. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna fail to impress us for the years to come, so excited to see what we can see from him. All right, so moving on, uh, we're going to talk about some European transfers while we're still in Europe. So Charlie Austin uh, went to Southampton from QPR. Uh, what do you think about that move for Southampton? Uh, yeah, they needed some help up front. Charlie Austin, a good player, proven in the Prem last year. Great record with QPR, 45 goals and 82 appearances um, for uh, for the club. Um, so he's, he's, a, he's a great striker. They got him for a very little amount of money, around £4 million, I believe. Um, and I know Everton were sniffing around for him in, in the summer, last summer, and his asking price was anywhere between 10 and $17 million. So a great deal for Charlie Austin. Excited to see what he can do back in the Premier League. Sticking with European transfers and moving over to Italy, we saw Borussia Dortmund send him Chiro Mobile back out on loan to Torino. He already scored a goal against Frozenone, and I think he's exactly what they need. He helps players like Maxi Lopez and Dani Alebaselli focus more on the midfield than the attack, and I think that's going to turn them from an 11th place side into a Europa League side. Yeah, I can't really add much to that. I mean, you covered it all. All right, uh, let's go over to the MLS portion of the podcast. We're going to start off with the MLS draft, which we missed. Uh, so I'm just going to list the top five picks, and you have something to say well, about each one. We didn't miss. We just haven't had an episode since then. Yeah, yeah, we haven't had an episode. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jack Harrison, uh, uh, midfielder, was... Drafted by Chicago Fire, but then was traded to NYCFC shortly after. Uh, he's an uh, Englishman, and he was drafted out of Wake Forest. Uh, yeah, he's you know he's an exciting player. He's uh, he's, a, he's he's the youngest player in the draft, so uh, we'll see if he can transition well. I think he'll be able to. He's a very very creative player. He can play uh, attacking midfield. He can also play as a forward. It's interesting to me that NYCFC was willing to trade for him, considering they have players like Tommy McNamara, Patrick Mullins, David Villa, and then at attacking midfield, they have Poku, Discarude, and Lampard. I don't know where he's going to fit in. Uh, maybe play outside midfield, that's something that they were sort of lacking. Um, I don't really know where he's, he's going to fit in. Uh, but Chicago drafted him, were able to trade him for the, for the fourth pick in the draft. NYC traded the fourth pick in the draft for... Um, Harrison and traded some money, as you said. Uh, but I'm, exci- yeah. I'm excited to see this guy play. Um, hopefully, yeah. So am I. He, he, he was a Manchester United youth product. Uh, so you know, just more proof of the English romanticism in the United States, as you once put it. Well, I, uh, I don't, that's not the same <laughs> thing. But fair enough. Well, yeah. No, I was kidding. Yeah, I, right. I know you were. I know you were. <laughs> I just, uh, I just then, think it's a real issue. Like you see, you see Jordan Morris succeeding in Germany right now. Might not happen in England. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, that's going to be a running theme that we talk about, but you know, okay. this is not really a place to apply right now. Okay. Uh, so Josh Yarrow, the Ghanaian defender, was uh, drafted to Philadelphia Union from Georgetown. That was one of their two consecutive picks. Well, why don't, why don't, we, why don't we combine them? Why don't you talk about three, too? All right, and then uh, their next pick was American defender Keegan Rosenberry, also from Georgetown. Yeah, well, these these two are teammates. Uh, I believe Yarrow is eligible for the U.S. He does have citizenship, I believe. Um, so we'll see if if that if he suits up for the U.S. national team at some point. Um, but yeah, Philadelphia traded for the number two pick in the draft. They traded with Colorado. Uh, draft Josh Yarrow. A lot of people expected him to maybe go first overall. Um, yeah, so he's he's a very physical defender. He's smart. He can play out of the back. He played center back for most of his career, but he is only five foot eleven. Now we've seen that criticism before, and we've seen a player, um, we've seen a player like Andrew Farrell. We've seen that uh, with him a couple years ago, where he started off in the league as right back. People thought he was too small to play center back, but then you know this year and last year. They started playing him as center back and it succeeded. I think Josh Yarrow can be a similar type of player. I don't think I think that's where his he's you know that's where he's best placed. Um, although you know some people think he might play fullback, but you know they also did draft Rosenberry as you said. Um, Rosenberry Keegan Rosenberry is a fullback teammates with uh, with Josh Yarrow at Georgetown, so they'll they'll already have a good rapport with each other. Um, they have some chemistry. It'll be interesting to see if that right side of the defense is uh, more solidified because that's what Philadelphia Union needed. They needed some defensive solidification. They also lost a lot of, uh, lost a lot of players um, in trade uh, this offseason. We'll see. It's a definitely another definitely another rebuilding year in my opinion. I don't think I don't think we should expect much from them. Uh, Josh Yarrow, good pick. However, um, Keegan Rosenberry, interesting pick. I believe they went with chemistry with Yarrow more so than talent because why don't we talk about the number fourth pick or the, the fourth pick in the draft, Sahil. Yeah, Brandon Vincent, American defender, was drafted to Chicago out of Stanford University. Yeah, so Chicago got the fourth pick from NYCFC for Jack Harrison. Um He's, you know, he's a left back. Uh, Rosenberry, I believe, can play either side of defense. I, I, I bet you we'll see some comparison because Vincent, by all accounts, is the better player. Uh, he's obviously been called into the U.S. national team. Uh, he apparently killed it at the combine, and he's been a very, very reliable player for Stanford. Uh, I, I think he's. I think he was the best player in the draft, um, and I know I'm not alone in, in that thought. So I'm excited to see him. Chicago definitely needed some uh, some defense, uh, some help in the defense. One of the worst in the league for sure last year. I, the worst in the league. Remember Drogba just in his first match, I believe, had a hat trick against Chicago in one of his yeah. first matches. Um, so the, 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 they had a Jeff Florentowitz, historically a defensive midfielder playing center back last year. <laughs> so they definitely needed uh, some help. Brandon Vincent, I'm very, very excited to see uh, him going forward, but like what I was trying to get at is it'll it'll be interesting to see the development of Rosenberry and Vincent because we know they will be compared to each other because a lot of people think that Philadelphia should have gone with Vincent instead of Rosenberry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Understand, understandable comparisons to draw being American. Uh, Omar Holness, uh, Jamaican midfielder, was drafted to RSL from North Carolina. 
I think this is a great pick for RSL, uh, right around that five area where a lot of people thought uh, uh, he would be drafted. Um, a very, very good box-to-box midfielder, and if RSL is going to stick with that 4-3-3, um, he's perfect. I think he, he, he can be a starter um, in this league right away. Uh, he's got great instincts. He's very good on the ball. I'm excited to see him going forward. His, um, his hero, his idol is Landon Donovan. Did you know that? No, I did not. So, not a very, not, awesome. not a player like Landon Donovan. Of course, RSL lost uh, Luis Gill uh, in the midfield. Uh, Luke Mulholland's playing there. Good player, not great. Hopefully, uh, Homeless can turn it into that type of player. All right, player. yeah. If you have any more questions about the draft, I know we didn't cover it that much, uh, you can email us at soccerbrotherspodcast.gmail.com. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Good we'd be willing to talk more about it. We just don't, you know, have all the time. Yeah. A, all right, well, so moving a lot, on of, to- a lot of stuff happened in between. Like, there's midweek fixtures. It was just crazy. Yeah. So moving on to MLS transfers. I just want to talk about Portland first, man. They have brought in a lot of good players. Jack McInerney, Zach, uh, Zarek Valentine, Grabovoy are all Portland players now confirmed. Um, so, you know, starting off with Jack McInerney from the Columbus crew, what do you think that he can bring to Portland? Uh, well, they do have Fernando Adi, but in, if, in late-game situations, they did lose Maximiliano Uruti. Uh, so they need a backup striker. In late-game situations, Jack Mack can come on. You know, if they have a couple of games in a row, he can be a starter. And he's he's a good striker. We know that. He's a proven striker in this league, a great second option. And I'm excited to see what he can do for Portland. Uh, and as you said, they got these players. The, the MLS Cup winners just get richer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Valentine. What do you think Valentine can do? Uh, Zarek Valentine, an interesting player. A lot of people, or a lot, a player, a lot of people had high hopes for. Um, he played for the U.S. the U twenty and the U twenty threes level levels. He played for I don't know how to pronounce it, um, but he played for Bodo and uh, Glimpt. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know how to pronounce the name. Um, but you know, he was going to Europe uh, into the Norwegian league. We thought that he was going to be the next big thing. Made a lot of appearances, 45 or 55 actually, all in all, for the club. Um, but he's coming back to MLS. Portland was able to snag him up. Uh, formerly played for Chivas USA and Montreal Impact as well in the league. Yeah, uh, Jack McInerney and Valentine, fairly young players. Yeah. So we saw Portland mixing it up because they decided to go with some veteran experience in Grabovoy. Uh, the 32-year-old midfielder. Yeah, look, we, we know we know what uh, Ned Grabovoy can do in this league. Um, and coming from coming from uh, NYCFC, he only spent one uh, season there, but he can he can be a big part of Portland's success going forward. They have a great midfield right now, uh, and it just got better. It got deeper. Uh, yeah, moving on to the probably second favorite uh, to win the Western Conference next year, LA Galaxy. They acquired Mike McGee, uh, experienced forward. We know he can get the job done. Uh, what do you think he'll fit into the team, though? Um, Mike, you know, that's an interesting question, you know, because they have Giassi's artist, they have Giovanni Dos Santos, um, they have Robbie Keane, uh, and, and some of these younger players like Mendiola, uh, Letjet, uh, Villarreal, players we want to see, where does Mike McGee fit in this, this team? I really don't know. They have Gerard in central midfield, they lost Juninho, um, you know, 
there's some there's some transfer rumors we're not going to address that LA Galaxy um, are, are sniffing around for some older um, European midfielders. But it's it's an interesting question. You know, it's good for I'm glad he's back in LA. It's it's very exciting for him to be back there. Um, Signed as a free yeah. agent. Anywhere's better than Chicago. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. He also had a short loan at St. Louis FC. Uh, I, I, yeah, he had one appearance there, but I, I think that's when he was coming back from injury. Yeah, um, yeah, but I, I really don't know where he fits into this team. Probably outside midfield, and maybe Zardes plays up top. I mean, I think that's a possibility. Yeah, well, excited to see in March how everything's gonna line up for the, March, them. March, man, two two months away. We're only a few weeks. We're only two weeks away from the U.S.'s next match. It's crazy. Everything's going by so fast. I mean, the World Cup's in two and a half years. I just can't believe that. I don't know. Something's weird about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so st- sticking with MLS transfers, uh, we saw Zach Pfeffer transfer to the Union from the Rapids. That's confirmed. Uh, this, as you said, was part of uh, uh, the the Union getting two picks in a row in the second and the third pick in the first round. It was right. part of that trade. Yeah. Uh, as for the player, what do you think he can do? Uh, a good young midfield has played for the U.S. youth national teams. I, I'm very excited about Zach Pfeffer, and I think Colorado is a place where he can play and get a lot of minutes, um, and I'm excited to see how he develops. Yeah, only 21 years old. He's got uh, a lot of potential to work from. All right, so uh, other U.S. men's national team news. Bill Hamid's out for a few months, uh, so Sean Johnson was called into January camp to replace him. Oh, man, I am so... I know this is going to disappoint you. Yeah, yeah, I'm so bummed out about this because I, th- I thought Bill Hamid, um, you know, not only could be moving to Europe in this window, I thought he could be... could, could take the number one goalkeeping spot for the U.S. national team. Um, yeah, so very, very disappointing uh, for him. I'm sure he'll come back, and I'm sure he'll be okay. But, you know, Sean Johnson, a good goalkeeper, had a couple of good games this year, uh, a couple of games where he stood on his head, uh, I believe against the Union. That's the one that stands out to me uh, later in the season. Absolute monster. We've seen him before with the U.S. national team. Last time I remember him playing, clearly at least, is in the 2013 Gold Cup against Costa Rica in our third group match when we won 1-0 uh, off a of Breck Shea goal in, like, the 82nd minute. Um so, uh, remember, he had that save, landed, he, he threw it to Landon Donovan, Landon Donovan had that cross into Shea, we win one nothing. Um, so, he's a great, very good goalkeeper, uh, but, you know, I'm excited to see some of these other keepers, uh, Bingham and, and uh, Luis Robles. Yeah, uh, speaking of young players, we've got two young goal scorers, uh, you know, scoring goals in friendly games. First of all, Kristen Pulisic for uh, Borussia Dortmund's team. Yeah, um, Kristen Pulisic scoring goals. Got got called up to the first team earlier in the month. Has now been playing a lot in friendlies. Been playing on the left wing and in midfield. Uh, very, very exciting player. Getting assists, scoring goals. Um, and then the next player, Jordan Morris. Sorry to steal your thunder. The trialist with um, Werder Bremen. Uh, didn't score a goal, but had a very, very nifty uh, assist. Uh, in his first match uh, and he, to Claudio Pizarro. So he, he was playing with the first team in the friendlies. You know, it'll be interesting to see if he stays with Werder Bremen. It, it could happen. They seem to like him very, very much. That would be really cool to see uh, Morris and Johansson up top together. Yeah, but, you know... But they've got other strikers, though. It begs the question, yeah, is it is it good for them to be competing with each other? Werder Bremen's a relegation side. 
you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. That, yeah. that that being said, I don't know if Seattle's the best place for him because they have Dempsey and Martins. So, yeah, that's true. That's true as well. Yeah, I, I'd still like to see him. You know, representing. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Something about uh, him and MLS seems to fit in my mind. Maybe, maybe that's not right. I don't know. But <laughs> well, uh, we'll see. But I think Johansson. I think with all his injury problems and everything, I think we could see an MLS transfer this summer. I just, I just have a feeling about that. Yeah, it's definitely very possible. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah. So uh, every week now, we're gonna have a segment where we cover the U.S. men's national team top five Americans abroad performances, and my brother is gonna break that down for you. Starting at number five, we got Eric Lehigh. What did Eric Lehigh do? Eric Lehigh, the Nottingham Forest defender. Uh, fullback, to be specific, started and played 90 minutes in Forest 3-0 win against Bolton. Um, you know, Bolton, not a very impressive team in the relegation zone, but a very, very good and solid win for Nottingham Forest. Eric Lehigh, a player I feel like U.S. fans are forgetting about. Uh, you know, we do have problems at left back. He can play there. He's played there with the U.S. under Bob Bradley. Uh, only one cap uh, under Jurgen Klinsmann, I believe. Or one call up, um, so I really want to see him. I want to see him get a, get another chance. He's been solid for Forrest, one of Forrest's best players. Um, so another good performance by him in that win. Coming in at number four, we've got Ventura Alvarado. Ventura Alvarado, very very good performance, solid again in that back line. Good to see him starting for Club America back in the starting lineup. He fell a little bit off. Uh, he, he he was benched towards the end last year. Um, you know, he was in and out of the lineup, but he started and played 90 minutes in this match in a 3 nothing win against Atlas, or Atlas, uh, yeah, I mean, Atlas, we'll go with Atlas, this is, yeah, sorry. Um, he, you know, he's a little bit of an enigma, we, we don't know what, 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 what he's gonna turn out to be. Jurgen's Klinsman seems to like him very much, I'm not a huge fan of him right now, he does have a lot of potential though, and I'm excited to see how he develops. Coming in number three, Jorge Villafana. No, I just wanted to see if you get pissed off at my pronunciation. Jorge Villafana. Uh, what did you think about his performance Jorge for Vi- Santos? Yep, of course, Jorge Villafana recently transferred uh, to Santos Laguna. Um, the left back from Portland Timbers, he did play for Portland Timbers, just won MLS Cup, started and played 90 minutes in Santos Laguna's win um, versus Jaguares de Chiapas. Um you know, he, it's awesome that he goes to Liga MX. I almost said La Liga. He goes to Liga MX, inserts himself into the starting lineup, and is playing 90 minutes. He is a left back. Speaking of left back issues, he is a left back. And if he did not go to Liga MX, I guarantee you he would have been called up to this January camp. Hopefully he gets his chance in March, because I want to see him suit up for the U.S. national team. I can agree with that. At number two, we've got Omar Gonzalez, recently transferred to Pachuca, and he he played well. He has been playing incredibly well, already has an assist. Uh, Pachuca fans love him. I've been seeing tweets about him from Pachuca fans, been on the forums, not really, but I have been seeing tweets and comments about him. Um, Omar Gonzalez uh, playing well in a three-man back line, too, interestingly enough. 
Um, so getting that experience pro- will be very, very good for the U.S. national team if we ever decide to go that route. He uh, started and played in Pachuca's 1-0 win versus Querétaro. Querétaro. I don't know. I don't know where the emphasis is. I think um, the second one was right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's been playing very, very well. Another player who's transferred the league on Mackey's right back, right into the starting lineup. A big loss for LA Galaxy, though. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I don't think we'll see Omar Gonzalez. I mean, I think he's he's great for depth and these qualifiers and everything. But like, I, I don't know. I I don't know if we're gonna see him in in the in the Copa America or in the World Cup or any any big competitions like that. Look, right now, I think he's a better option than Ventura Alvarado. But I do think our best two center backs, or our best three center backs who are above him right now, are Cameron. Brooks and Beasler, so yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, but he's you know he's there. I think he should. I think he's better than Alvarado at this moment. What about Miazga? Did Miazga? I would say Miazga's probably fifth. I, I, I mean, I don't know, man. He can definitely get there. Yeah, though. I mean, I think within the next few months he could get there. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. If he if Gonzalez continues to play like this, though, you know, Klinsman can't ignore him. This is true. And number one, we've got Bob Bradley, which is kind of a cop-out. How is that a cop-out, man? <laughs> he's not uh, a co- is, he, is he American? Is he American? Okay. Sure. What do you mean, sure? Is he American? Okay. Right. Fine. Fine. He's American. But I feel like... So, like, if, like, okay. LeBron James was playing for the USA basketball team right now, to, he'd be no, number no. one abroad. To be honest... To be honest, there there was not a whole lot going for Americans. Midweek last week, there was a lot. We didn't really take that into consideration this week. Um, but, you know, Bob Bradley, it's always good to hear updates about him, you know? I think Bob Bradley is my number one American abroad this week. I, I think it's valid. You know, there's another David Wagner, um, the hardest field coach in the championship. I'm sure you'll see him in the top five in the coming weeks. But Bob Bradley... The coach for Le Havre in, uh, in France in Ligue 2 beat Paris FC, 20th place Paris FC, 2-1 to one, to get into third place in Ligue 2 in the fight for promotion. We could see Bob Bradley in a top five league coaching at the highest level next year as early I, as next season. I just think this is disrespectful to Omar Gonzalez. How? <laughs> Wait, why? I mean... Okay, I mean, I guess it's okay to check on Bob Bradley every once in a while. But what does tracking him, like... So, Bob Bradley is doing something no American has done before. It is huge. If Bob Bradley gets into Liga, if he performs, that opens the door for other Americans. It's just true. But what do you think he's going to do once he gets into Liga? I think he's going to keep him up. Okay. Well, I, don't, I don't understand your question. It, it encourages other American coaches. But, okay, so, I mean, yeah, but no, no, does not, that really not affect only, the no, national team? Not, not only does it encourage other American coaches, it tells owners and people in Europe that Americans can coach. And David Wagner is doing the same thing at Huddersfield. Completely changed that, t- turned that team around. So do, do you think this, is, this could inadvertently help the national team? I don't think it could inadvertently help the national... Well, I guess it is inadvertent. Uh, yes. Yes. 
especially you know you have the note here that you have the note Brad Guzan, which means you know it doesn't mean much by itself, but apparently Brad Guzan might be going to La Havre um, to join Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley likes to bring in some American players. Cole, we saw it at Staubach with Cole Grossman. Freddie Adu got a trial. Uh, Michael Stevens was there. Um, you know, so if if he brings in some American players in League A, he has faith in them. That helps the national team. More co- more American coaches abroad probably helps the national team. But do you think in this specific, you really think that that helps Brad Guzan? No, Brad Guzan. I mean, I don't really. Right now, well, since Bill Hamid's injured, you're, you're said, really set on Bill Hamid. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Brad Guzan is not even starting for Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. So, right now, Tim Howard is number one. Brad Guzan probably still is number two, but we'll see where that goes. Because of Bill Hamid's injury, right? Yeah, but I think okay. I think Ethan Horvath right now I take over Brad Guzan. Debatable. Uh, Why? He's playing. Fine. Okay. Uh, have we seen him in a competitive enough environment, though? The Europa League Champions League qualifiers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, why don't we talk about the sports apparel brand company named Ambitious Strike? You can check out their merchandise at ambitiousstrike.com. They've got things from male t shirts, well, I guess just t shirts, to women's tank tops. And uh, you can get a great deal. On your entire purchase by entering the code BROTHERS for a 15% off discount at checkout. Yeah, and their t-shirts are fabulous. So go check them out at ambitiousstrike.com. That's, once again, A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. The link is always in the description. Go check them out. Great company. We've said it a million times, and we're going to continue to say it a million times. Uh <laughs> So, you know, just uh, in terms of news for the podcast, we recorded last week, recorded this week. We're planning on recording a lot. That was just a one-time sabbatical. Um, Yeah, you know, we, yeah, we'll be better. Um, Some other news about the podcast, the website. I teased it last time. It will be up within the next week. I promise with my fingers crossed. Hopefully it happens. Finger crossed in hope. Not, it looks not, not, great. Not, not, not fingers crossed that I'm breaking in, in that I'm breaking my promise. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so I want to make that clear. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, thanks again to our web designer Suchin. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, it, it looks great, and it does look great. We just, you know, we have some stuff we got to We we at launch when the site goes live, we want it to be the best it can be at that point. Um, but of course, for the first few. Weeks it's up, it's still going to be a work in progress. So, and I would say the objective of the site is not only to promote our podcast, but you know, just a new outlet for American soccer media because you know we want to grow the game. Uh, You know, of course, we want to have as many people listen to our podcast as possible, but we want to make soccer, you know, the second or third most popular sport. So as long as we can be a part of that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of cool stuff on the website. Um, and we'll be writing stuff. We'll have other people write stuff for the website. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have an email for this podcast. It's soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter. That's at soccerbrospod. 
My brother has a Twitter, at Big Time Brownie. I have a Twitter, at ASR underscore Sahel. Uh, rate us, like us on SoundCloud, follow us on SoundCloud. You can also review and rate us on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Google Play now. I always forget about that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. We'll see you next time. We will see you next time. Please send us some emails. We need your emails. We love your emails. Um, so, yeah, Sahil. Anything else to say to the to the viewers? To the well, not viewers, right? It's listeners. Nope. Yeah. But the website. The those website. will be viewers. Yes. Get excited for the website. Um, like Sahil said, go like us on Facebook. Go follow us on Twitter. Uh, you know, because the website might be up before the next podcast and you won't know that unless you're following us on social media. It's been a pleasure. Oh, we're on Instagram now, Sahil. Oh, yeah. We are on Instagram now. (laughs) At Soccer Bros Pod. We don't have any posts yet, (laughs) but we are on Instagram. So, yeah. Are we planning on posting on that? Well, yeah, why would we create an Instagram account? Post what? Like, it's not like we can take our you own know, images. We go to a lot of good soccer matches. Thursday's coming up. We will have a throwback Thursday post. Keep your eye out for that. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's excited for that. At Soccer Bros Pod. That is our Instagram. We've also got Bundesliga action for the first time in a while this weekend. We're going to have a lot to cover, as always. We will see you at the end of next weekend. Thank you. See you later, guys. Oh,